Join us today as we explore what it means to have aphantasia, how it relates to autism, and how it may overlap with the other senses. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everyone. Here we are again. Take two. Or three. Or four. (laughs) Who knows how many takes this takes at this point. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about aphantasia. Hey. And I don't think... Pretty much anyone knows what that is. You we do. we didn't even know what that was, though. But we do now. We do now. So we will guide you on this tour. Aphantasia is the word of the day. Spell it. A- Actually, <laughs> no, I have no it, cheating. I have it written down, no but cheating. it's how I spell it, so it's wrong. <laughs> okay, I want to know how do you spell aphantasia? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> it's too bad. Okay, we'll move on. We'll move on. I'll, I'm not a I'll spare or a you. Reader. <laughs> I'll spare you. Okay. So the reason we decided to talk about aphantasia is because in an earlier episode, we talked about synesthesia, and right. Matt was able to give his fun little story. <laughs> so you can uh, take the baton now and give your fun stories. That's true. So so Matt had a really fun, interesting story about his experience with synesthesia, and synesthesia was found to be associated with autism. And we later discovered that aphantasia, which is kind of in the same realm or family, is also found to be associated with autism. And what's interesting is that uh, I actually believe I may have aphantasia. Pretty sure. Strong possibility. Pretty sure. I I don't know (laughs) that I could deny it if I cannot. Some of the the visualization (laughs) tests we've gone through. So for those of you listening who have never heard of aphantasia, first of all, you're not alone. We had no idea what this was. And it only came up because I was trying to do some sort of like meditation exercises, like those visualization exercises. And I could not do it. (laughs) (laughs) How did that work out for you? (laughs) Well, so aphantasia, just to explain it for people, it basically is when visual imagery is either absent or significantly impaired. And it doesn't necessarily mean in all situations. So sometimes you can be somebody who experiences aphantasia and still be able to like vividly and lucidly dream. But just in like your conscious awake mode, you're not able to kind of picture things mentally. Well, it's because it kind of would touch on different senses. It's not just the visualization. It can also tie in a little bit to like sound as well as also like smell, I think. Because I was thinking about that the other day as I was in grocery store shopping and I was going down like the pet aisle and I saw kitty litter. And then I was thinking, I was like, oh gosh, <laughs> like this going? kitty litter. No, but like, no. And I was thinking in my mind, I was like, oh, the smell of like kitty litter after like the cats like do their business. What? But, it, but I could like, like smell like. Let me get this straight. When you go to the grocery store, you start having lucid fantasies about the smell of kitty litter. Well, just because it's like, it's like repulsive. So it's like, as I'm like pushing the cart, I see the kitty litter. I'm like, ah, oh, that's why we don't have a cat just because like the smell with like the kitty litter and when the cat does its business it's not a pleasant smell but i remember from my childhood so you were imagining it in your head well i was able to imagine the smell of it and that's and that's what that's my whole point of the last (laughs) rambling that i just went on i was able to visualize or is it visualize if it's smell so i don't i don't know i don't know what the word for that would be smellerize i don't (laughs) like i don't 
So because yes. with aphantasia, it's primarily the absence of the visualization, but they also say that there's like an association with smell as well. And I think they said hearing, but it's kind of like when you can remember sounds or you can remember smells. And when somebody tells you, imagine you're at the beach and you hear the waves crashing on the shore and you smell the salt of the sea. Most people are able to do that. And those who have aphantasia are not able to. Right. And and that was one of the exercises that we had actually gone through that we were kind of comparing what you kind of experienced versus what I experienced. And they didn't really line up or they weren't the same as far as the visualization process. Studies have been looking into both aphantasia and synesthesia. And of course, we discussed that synesthesia's links has been found, but they also found that aphantasia is very strongly linked to imagery as well. So it's kind of interesting because both of them actually are, both synesthesia and aphantasia. It makes sense with synesthesia because if you were able to visualize colors, it would make sense that that would go on with like the visual imagining part. Yeah, I think they'd kind of be like similar, but also kind of on opposite sides of like the equation. Yeah. So what the studies basically say is that those that are diagnosed with synesthesia or aphantasia, visual imagery is not actually necessary for these disorders, I guess you would call it, to occur. I'm not sure if it would be considered disorder, probably. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, because I think it would tie in a little bit with your memory. Because whenever, like, when we're going through the exercise and it's basically saying, oh, think of a beach that you're walking on, you hear the waves crashing, you bend over and you pick up a, a seashell, what color is the seashell that you're holding? I'm able to kind of relate back to like a, like a memory of whatever beach I had gone to last or the best image I have of a beach. But if you don't have that component, I'm wondering if that also kind of ties in with your memories as well, because you're not able to recall them, be able to like visualize what you had previously seen. In my experience with aphantasia, I can definitely say that it definitely, definitely impairs my memory of things because it's very hard for me to remember things. Well, so it of, must be associated. I think of the perfect example was the other day when I was at work and you were texting me because you couldn't find your iPad. And, <laughs> and then I, I texted you back. I was like, oh, have you checked all these places? And I was like, oh, try the top drawer on the nightstand. Because I remember I was able to visualize myself putting it in there and closing it to kind of keep it. Yes. Keep it all the, the, uh, the hands of our little ones running around and, and knocking I, it over. <laughs> and I actually did read a lot of studies. Like you just triggered a thought because I do remember reading studies that basically saying that those who have executive dysfunction, aphantasia, or any other sort of mental imaging incapacity, those are people who tend to lose things more often because you can't recreate the visual component of that. So if you can't see the visual steps happening in your head, then it's hard for you to recreate that in real life and then follow those steps back to where you found and that, that And that's exactly what I do if I misplace something. I, I like kind of try and like sit down and then I try and like run my memory back of like my visualization of what have I seen, where was the last time, and try and like catch up. I mean, obviously- That is crazy to me but, that you but can then, do that. But do you have the moment like when you actually find it and you didn't think it was there where you have the, ah, okay, I remember it. No. Being put, okay. So it, it's always <laughs> like, there's always like a gap in like your memory, like, or at least for me, there's like a gap in my memory. So I think of like the last place it was and I go there and it's not there. Then if I find where it actually is, then suddenly I have the aha moment in my mind where I'm like, oh, now I see myself basically putting it down in this place. But I, right. I had otherwise forgotten that that was the last place. See, I had. And, and this is why a lot of times kids who are autistic, they will also forget where things 
things are, and it could be very much related to this visual memory, or perhaps they may have aphantasia. Because if you can't visually memorize or picture where that item is, it's very difficult to recall it from memory. And I know for me, like you just asked me, like, if I find it, is it like an aha <laughs> moment? For me, no, when I find it, I'm like, how did this get here? <laughs> like, I'm like, did, did somebody put this in here? Like, I mean, come on, let's be honest. Um, Every time I find something, do I not say, did the girls put this here? That, that's true. <laughs> but I guarantee you if there were security cameras, it was me. Like, I probably did it and I just can't remember. <laughs> but, but that's interesting. I mean, I, I'm actually, I mean, we're kind of learning about it right now of how it relates in real life, kind of on the spot. It's just kind of funny. Yes. I mean, in, in our personal life, I mean, obviously, like, it's not like a laughing matter, but just how it relates it to kind us. kind of is. Well, how it relates to, like, <laughs> us losing things and us. That's what's and, funny. Like, right. I mean, it's not funny when it's happening. Obviously, I get very overwhelmed and stressed. But after the fact, after we do the whole flip the house upside down to find my cell phone that I lose, like, what? 10 times a day, then then it's funny because I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I lose my phone so frequently. And then we play the not it of who gets to clean up the mess. Yeah, you're always it. I know. (laughs) But so aphantasia, the reason that it like fascinates me so much is because it's just very interesting to me personally, not that you can't see things, but that everyone else does see things in their like mind's eye. Well, I mean, it is definitely interesting how it overlaps with the different senses that it's not just a visual component it's sound smell i'm not sure as far as touch but yeah i just find it interesting that it's basically like a blanket over most of the senses What's really interesting to me is that these studies are starting to see a correlation between those who have, they call it aphantastic. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's spelled aphantastic. So you know, like how somebody is autistic. So someone who experiences aphantasia is aphantastic. So that's kind of cool. It's like, I can just say, hey, I'm aphantastic. Um, But they find a strong correlation between aphantastics and autistics, which makes sense because they're basically saying that aphantasia can also relate to weaknesses in both imagination and social skills. Which kind of pops up, I think, overall with the kind of the social element that we've experienced with our kids where that link is, I'm not sure if it's necessarily missing, but they don't understand like the social interactions with kind of peers. And then when they say that it's associated with a weakness in imagination and social skills, I think what they mean by that is sometimes when it comes to socialization, you need to imagine a scenario to be able to know what to do next, if that makes sense. Well, it makes sense with our daughter, because when we had gotten her the dollhouse, she was only able to play in the way that we had shown her that she was able to play. So she'd have the little doll and she would take it up the stairs and go into the bathtub, I think. That was the activity. But then it was that doing that over and over, up the stairs into the bathtub. Then again, up the stairs over the bathtub. It was never, oh, I'm going to go into the kitchen. I'm going to go into the bedroom. It was always the same repetitive task. So I'm not sure if because she had seen that, that was the only way that she was actually able to play. Aphantasia, when they explain what that experience is like, they basically say that when you're asked to form an image of a person you're familiar with, for example, the standard typical person can basically see it within their mind. So you can see a visual and have a mental experience of that thing in a similar or near similar way that you would in real life. So if I told you to envision your child, what do you see? So I I see basically my perspective as I'm at my desk at work. I have kind of like a bulletin board next to my computer and I have a picture of my oldest daughter where she's kind of like leaning up against me with kind of her hair down and like wearing like a 
backwards baseball cap. <laughs> so I've got that image of my oldest daughter. And then my youngest daughter is her sitting at her high chair with like a big smile and like her little hand that she's eating like a quesadilla and has like a bowl of peas. So, I mean, I, I think that those are the images that come to mind because I'm at my desk like 40 hours a week. <laughs> so, are you though? Well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. But, um, but I think that is probably why, because I'm seeing those images of them probably, I mean, I have other images or pictures on my desk, but I think because I see those the most, I think that is the, the most referenced memory of them in my mind, if that makes sense. See, for me, if you tell me to imagine my child, I have a really hard time, A, pulling up a picture and B, keeping the picture. And even when I have the picture, it's usually very blurred or doesn't have many features. So when I think of my oldest child, I basically see what you would probably see as like a ghost in a way. <laughs> Always a good start. Well, because, <laughs> creepy. I know it is creepy. Don't, don't tell me to picture my child. Um, <laughs> it's basically just like a grayscale. So okay. it's like I see her wearing like a white gown, which is weird because she doesn't wear them. <laughs> it's seriously like a horror movie. No, I just I just saw the image like okay, if our daughter goes missing and you have to describe. <laughs> to the police what our daughter looks like. We're done. Like, like, we're not going to find her. Okay, do we see any kids, like, in ghost outfits on the street? The kid from that (laughs) horror movie. That one. That's ours. Uh, But I picture, like, her her standing with her arms to her side, a gray gown, and then the face has no facial features whatsoever. Like, nothing. It's just her skin tone is like a, a gray wash. Like, it's not even, like, white or pink or... It's just, like gray like it's a gray white wash so, so i so i will say when i see an image or when i see an image in my mind it's not a crisp perfect image of whatever it is it's essentially if i'm wearing glasses that are slightly out of focus i know what the image is i know what it should look like but when i see it in my memory it's slightly kind of blurry and i don't have like the the sharp features that i would or another way of thinking it is if i take a picture and i put it underwater how the water will kind of go over top of the picture that's kind of how it is in my memory. It's not a super sharp image, but it's enough to recognize what the ultimate end image is, I guess, if that makes See, sense. For me, I think what I am doing is I'm finding a representation of it, but it's not actually it. And it actually rings a bell now because I had read some stuff on Temple Grandin. She's like a super famous, she's an autistic adult who is an advocate and all this. And she's very famous for autism advocacy work. And she had written a book that's about thinking in pictures because that's how she thinks and her theories that other autistics do as well. That's debatable, but at least for her, that's how her mind works. And the way that she thinks is like, if you tell her to picture a steeple, she pictures a very specific steeple that she has seen in her life. So it's not like a generic church steeple. What I think that's interesting is with my experience of aphantasia, I experienced kind of like the reverse of that. So like, instead of seeing a very specific steeple that I've seen in, in reality, I get a very vague generic thing that I've never seen. So like something you would have Googled, like a, a steeple in like another country that we've never traveled to? No, or like or? how I just explained the visual of our first child. Okay. Like I envisioned- you create your own Right. Like steeple. I created a picture of a child with no face features, grayscale, and all this stuff. And our child doesn't actually look like that, but it's- a child. Is is that with all images that you do that? I'm just I mean just curious. I'm I'm actually now realizing that probably, yes. Like if I'm saying uh picture a mountain, 
like are you creating the mountain or are yes you like a like if you tell me before? to picture a mountain a sunset a beach every single time i picture that i picture the same template so mm-hmm. like i can't really alter it to look differently and it's very difficult for me to keep that picture in my mental focus so if you tell me to picture a sunset i struggle to bring up the sun and when i can finally bring a sun it starts off all black and nothingness. And then when I finally bring up the sun, as soon as you tell me like, okay, now picture a mountain view behind the sun, I cannot then pull up the mountain view and keep the sun. I have to like choose between the two because it's such a mental effort to get any image whatsoever. Well, so, so, so mine's, I think I'm getting what you're saying. It's similar in a way. So if you tell me the picture of the sun, the sky, all that, but then if you say, okay, think of the mountain. Now my viewpoint, my perception, it's focusing on the mountain. So the sun is still there, but it's kind of faded into the background. And as you're throwing more things, whatever was previously given is further kind of buried. And I can't do that. Okay. So if you if you say, okay, think of a sun in the sky and then a mountain in front of it and then a log cabin. So for me, the log cabin is the closest thing that I can see, but I still know and can kind of see the mountain and the sunset still behind it. But obviously the main focus is on the cabin because that was the most recent, recent information that was, that was provided. Right? And that's, that's normal to be able to recall things more recently in more vivid detail. But for me, I'm lucky if I can picture the first step that you give me. Like if I am told to picture something, I'm lucky if I can just even picture that. If you want me to move on from that step, like forget about it. I can't. It's just interesting that you kind of recreate kind of you were saying like a template for whatever it was instead of trying to reference something that you had previously seen. Yeah, I mean, because sometimes like, yeah, you haven't seen something, so you have to use your imagination. But it's interesting that you would almost choose to, I mean, not, maybe it's not, I mean, obviously like a it's choice. not really a choice. <laughs> but like, <laughs> Subconscious. Right. Well, I just have like the image of you, like almost like in a Word document, you like creating a sunset and then you have like the little. It's like very mechanical. Right. It's not like, it's not like it's authentically happening and I'm experiencing it. And this is an experience that is happening to me. It's more like I am happening to it. I am trying to make it happen. Right. And then you have like the little paperclip guy come over and say, it looks like you're trying to create a sunset. Do you need help? And no, the problem is I don't have that guy. And that's the that's why it never gets done. It's more like I'm sitting there waiting for his message. And I'm like, where'd he go? <laughs> Windows um, 95. Or whatever, I, I don't even remember because I'm, I'm a Mac girl. <laughs> um, what's cool is I ran into the study and they basically had a bunch of participants that were shown three images of a living room, a kitchen and a bedroom. And they were each asked to draw each one from memory. And what they found is that their drawings were basically objectively reviewed. They had a ton of people looking at this. And then what they found was that those with aphantasia found it difficult to draw an image from memory because they can't summon the pictures in their mind's eye. What's really funny to me about that is I grew up in a ton of art classes because my family is very artistic. So I've always been very much into art. And the one thing that I could never understand and now suddenly makes a ton of sense to me is I could never, ever draw anything from memory or like from my mind. Like I couldn't create artistically from a vision that's in my head and put it on paper. I could create fantastically from something in front of me. So if you give me a picture, I can do a pastel drawing of it. I can paint it and I can replicate it pretty well, but I can't draw something from my head and put it on paper when it comes to images. That makes sense. I mean, uh, but I'm trying to think like for me, like obviously I'm not an artist, but I always was interested in like geography. So like as far as like recreating maps, I cannot recreate a map for memory. Like if I'm trying to draw like 
the coast of like Canada or something. But if I'm looking at like a picture of Canada, I can like draw the geography. So, but, but I'm not sure if that's in the same ballpark or is that totally different? I would say that's totally different because that is you recalling very specific detailed Lines information or, okay. on geography. Like okay. that's, that's really hard to do. Okay. I don't think a lot of people could do that. Okay. Could you, out of memory, just draw an outline of, like, the state that you live in or, like, something that you're more familiar with? Uh, Okay, okay. Because it's all about things that you actually are very familiar with or you know, but you just can't pull from your memory to put onto a visualization or anything like that. Okay, that makes sense. I can probably do that, but not. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> sidebar. <laughs> so so what was interesting is the study is that the participants that did have aphantasia, whenever they could not recall the image, they showed that they actually recalled that the image was supposed to be there, but they couldn't remember like what it looked like. So for example, if they were remembering that there was supposed to be a bed, then what they would do is they would just write down the word bed. Or if they knew that, oh, this is supposed to be a chair, they would just write down the word chair because they couldn't recall the image, but they could recall that there was supposed to be that there. They are aware enough in their memory that they're able to recall that it's there, but might not know exactly what it looks like. I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, that's probably better than I could do with it. I mean, I'm not an artistic <laughs> person whatsoever, so. I mean, I feel like that's half the battle. The study's basically indicating that those with aphantasia can use strategies like verbal representation instead of visual memory to be able to recall information. That means you can probably help accommodate that need. For instance, if you do discover your child may have aphantasia or struggle with aphantasia, that would be a great accommodation to put in like an IEP or something and say, hey, instead of having them have to visualize something, why not have them have to recall the word for it or something like that? Because it's written verbal instead of image. And I think once you're aware of what it is and how to kind of work around to, I mean, get the same result, I mean, I think that is something that's very doable. Ultimately, what the study is indicating is that those who have aphantasia have a normal spatial imagery ability because they were able to remember where things were located in the in their mind from like the painting that they were trying to do. Basically, they just weren't able to represent things very like specifically in terms of imagery related memory tasks, hmm. which is why I, I can't visualize where my keys are. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we get the little like thing that beeps or like you can find it or whatever. <laughs> one of these days I'll yeah. have to get one. <laughs> I just thought it would be really interesting to talk about aphantasia because I feel like it's one of those things that if, if you are like me or your child is like me, you might grow up your whole life and have no idea that you even have it because who talks about how they visualize things? I didn't realize that I had an inability to visualize things until I started trying to do some meditation and tried to do some like self-care. I I didn't even know that was a thing because it doesn't come up in conversation. Well, the same thing too is, I mean, you still have images when you're dreaming. Yes. So I lucid dream very vividly. So someone who's able to lucid dream, you wouldn't necessarily know, oh, I can lucid dream, but I I have a hard time visualizing when I'm awake. You wouldn't necessarily think that. I mean, that would be, I mean. Well, and I grew up my entire life thinking that that's how everyone else visualizes. Right. Because you have no reference point because you can't visualize what someone else is visualizing. So, I mean, it's your own experience. (laughs) That's like the inception of visualization. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's basically like you don't know what you don't know. Right. Exactly. So, like, growing up my entire life up until what? this year, I basically thought everyone else saw things the way I did. I thought that when people said that they were visualizing something, I thought that they were just pretending in a way. I mean, 
I don't know how to explain it. I just thought that people were going through the routine of, yes, I'm picturing a beach. Yes, I hear the waves crashing. Yes. (laughs) I just thought that people just did it. I don't even know why. I don't mean to laugh, but I'm just thinking of you <laughs> sitting, you know, where they have like those like psychics that, or like they try and like hypnotize The couch you. where they're, yeah. Right, where they're like, oh, you're becoming very sleepy. And then they like walk you through. Yeah, like meditation. Hit. Yeah. Right. right. I just have the vision of like you just like sitting there like, like twiddling your thumbs and being like. That is my, that's exactly <laughs> what I, that's what I go through. I literally, I always feel like either I feel dumb because I must be doing something wrong because this ain't working for me. <laughs> or I was like, maybe this person doesn't know what they're talking about. And this is bunk. But then there's so many studies supporting that type of therapy and stuff that I was like, something's wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was just thinking of you just sitting in there. just like everyone else is like doing their visualization. Just, your eyes open, just kind of hanging out. <laughs> that's but, basically aphantasia. You know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, know. Now I know. That's half the battle. So. Now I know, but I do not see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is basically aphantasia in a nutshell. We just thought it would be a fun little thing to bring up since it's new and different. I hope you guys enjoyed that bit of information. And we'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys. Bye. In this episode, we explored what it's like to experience aphantasia and how there is a higher prevalence in autistic individuals than the general population. We discuss how it may be difficult for some to capture or hold visual images or accompanying sounds. We also note that although those who experience aphantasia may not be able to visualize images, it is still possible to dream vividly in many cases. Tune in next time as we examine the differences between autistic meltdown and tantrums. We answer questions such as, How can I know if my child is having a meltdown or is simply having a tantrum? What can I do to help my child during a meltdown? And how can I try to prevent future meltdowns from happening? This is Embracing Autism. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.